Notes Podcast with Joe Deck and Leland McRae. Well, Leland, the game didn't start until 9.30, but it was played. And it was an exciting championship. Kansas and UNC went down to the wire, and it was a game where UNC... I, I don't know how you felt at halftime. I, well, I do know how you felt because you and I were texting at halftime. And well, you don't know exactly how I felt. I was prodding at you. I was trying to. I was trying to get something out of you. So. Yeah, you were trying to get me to make my projection, which is a hundred percent accurate when the projection is made. Uh, but when I, I ask said you for a projection, that's when I'm not sure myself that there should be a. I want you to project it. Yeah. So but I, I was sitting there thinking, I was like, uh, I just want to see how they started the second half. And Kansas was a different second half team. They, they've been a great second half team the entire tournament. And I know this right. is going to make Stephanie maybe not happy with me, but yeah, she I, doesn't listen. I think that's because <laughs> <laughs> I think that's because Bill Self is a pretty good coach. He makes the adjustments that need to be made at halftime, and his team comes out a much better team in these second halves. Whether it's at halftime or with a suitcase of money, he makes the right adjustments as he needs to to get to get a good team. Well, I mean, that's to get the players in the door, but <laughs> that's what that like. I just when I see him and like everybody else that was involved in the same issues with Adidas at the time he was, all those other guys don't have those jobs anymore at Arizona, at LSU. Like they don't have those jobs anymore. Um, well, I guess Auburn. Uh, what's his face is still there. Bruce um, Pearl's at Auburn. Bruce Pearl is still there. Uh, the guy at Louisville was it? Uh, uh, the guy at Louisville. Um, Rick um, Pitino. Yeah, like none of them are there from like when that stuff happened. But Bill Self just kind of wrote it out. It doesn't make me feel happy and clean about what I just watched. The other problem is on the other side, it's UNC who like had their academic scandals and all that. And Hubert Davis was around when that happened. As much as I find Hubert Davis Davis incredibly likable. Uh, hard to hate that guy. Um, they're not going to change how I feel about UNC. Uh, you know, he was there during some of that academic stuff. So, like, last night wasn't exactly like, you know, picking the, the oh, though, that team's a cheater. That coach has been known for that. So, like, you kind of had to choose between the two evils. It surprised me none that Kansas came back in the second half. I was looking at odds at halftime, and obviously Vegas agreed with that. There was no great you know, what you would expect for a 15-point loser. They, I mean, it was favoring UNC, but it wasn't any great amount of money. And that showed that even Vegas was kind of waiting to see how that second half went before you could get some live in-game. So it didn't surprise me at all. Now, if you if you tell me at halftime UNC wins this game, I, was, I, was, I would make the argument, well, Kansas is going to come back. Maybe UNC still wins it, but Kansas comes back. And so that's why I didn't feel comfortable before the game or after, during the game to make any live bets. And... Um, yeah, I, at least I was entertaining as can be. Uh, I was a great um, – the games North Carolina was involved in this weekend were very entertaining games and, and fun to watch, and, and that's good for the sport, um, especially when it's two teams that I'm not rooting for ever are in the final game there. I'm glad at least it, was, it ended up being a good game to watch, and even it made it more dramatic with the first half. UNC going up and then Kansas coming back. So it was very enjoyable and, uh, you know, kept us awake. And and that's what you want. That's when you're not going to start until 920, which just so everybody knows, it's been like that for a long time. Like, I can't remember. Yeah, the game but I don't mind people complaining like, oh, about it. I don't mind people complaining about it because I complain about it. I don't care about the West Coast. OK, it, I'm, I know that's why they do that. 
I don't care about you, West Coast. You are never, you should never drive TV decisions. Ever. Yeah, I, I think they put too much value in the West Coast, but I also like look at other sporting events that occur at a more reasonable time. And college basketball is one of the cleanest. Like you're, you're pretty much in there in that two hour window. Like, you know, you're pretty much always in that two hour ish window, like soccer, like big time soccer, um, where it's easy to move that where you need to. I don't understand why even just an hour earlier, eight o'clock still gets that finish by like 10 o'clock. And that's prime of the prime for East coast. And it's still a reasonable time for the West coast. So I just, I don't understand the push to 11 and then even beyond 11 for your finish. Um, like if you're going to start at nine Oh one, I'm still a little bit happier. Um, but I don't see why eight o'clock can't happen, especially when they have the Super Bowl that is on a work night. I mean, everybody's expected to go to work Monday morning. You would think, um, that game is, is scheduled to end in that, you know, nine 30, window. And so I just don't understand why college basketball and college football seem gun ho on eleven thirty finishes. I, I don't understand it. Yeah, it, to me, it doesn't make any sense. And again, I know they're like, oh, well, we want to, you know, make it accessible for the West Coast. And I'm like, look, I don't care. I, and I don't think the West Coast cares. I, I, I just don't. I'm out. I always hear people out there don't work anyway. Like, what? I mean, that's, what the, that's what the talk is anyway. But yeah, like, I don't know about that. But I don't know. Like, I, just, I mean, you're, the majority of your viewing audience is on the East Coast, especially especially with college basketball. I mean, it's college basketball is somewhat of a regionalized game. And East Coast and, and Midwest Those two teams, yeah, I was going to say, those two teams were in the central time zone for Kansas and in the eastern time zone for North Carolina. Yeah. That's who you placate you your the audience to. And the SEC and the ACC in there, you're, you're taken care of. That's, and that's who you're if, placating to. If UCLA is in the game, I bet you the people that care will get home and watch the game. Yep. That I think it's a mistake know. to play it that late. But Kansas, yeah. um, they had a very good tournament. They won. And that means that Ryan uh, wins the bracket, the yak bracket. Uh, Ryan, buddy of mine. That, schedule Ryan. Yeah, we, <laughs> we do need to schedule Ryan. Um, he's currently thinking of a topic. I did tell him, and he was like, oh, my gosh, I don't know what I want to talk about. I was like. I talk to you a lot. There is a lot on your mind. You can figure something out. Um, he's a huge baseball fan, so I would say chances are it will probably be baseball related. Uh, he actually, he's actually a former D three baseball player at Shenandoah University. Um, played high school baseball at Sharando. Uh, good friend of mine. I've known him for years. Uh, smart guy. He does love, and he's not going to listen to this, so I'll go ahead and say it. Um, he does love those old school baseball players. So if he does start talking about baseball, I am going to try to up his blood pressure by doing what I do with Leland and saying that people like Babe Ruth are trash, could never play today. And uh, because there was one 40 sports episode where we had him on for his all time baseball team. And most of us, I mean, we would throw in one, maybe two old time guys and the rest were like 1980 or Walter later Johnson, the big train they called him yeah yeah uh 1980 or later and his team was full of those like 1910 1920s players and i was just like we are gonna kill your team like your team is last 
And he was like, oh, these guys are so good. This is, you guys are so offensive just thinking, oh, just because they played in the old time, they couldn't play today. And I'm like, yeah, because they were playing with, with a bunch of plumbers. Is this an accurate discreet, like uh, impersonation of him? No. Because that's, nope. that's how I sound when you make it sound like yep. you, so I wasn't sure. Everyone exactly. sounds the same when I'm saying that they're being dumb. That's how it all sounds the same to me, but that's not how he sounds. So, yeah. Well, I will hold my uh, my counters to that uh, – to those arguments, uh, maybe one way or the other, you know which way I'm going, uh, until he's on. Yeah. Um, he might need some, some help in the defense. But, but uh, I, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to having him. We also, Steve's still got to get on for football, so we, we have uh, a couple I know. winner coming on. There was another championship, though, on Sunday night. South Carolina took down UConn. That one not as close. Uh, South Carolina ends up pulling out that one 64-49, to Don Staley beats Geno. It's Geno's first loss in the national championship game. Don Staley is now, I believe, 2-0 in national championship games. And this was a, a good run for UConn. Not surprising that they get to a championship. But South Carolina was the more complete team, and I felt like this was a fair result. Uh, they went in one of, if not the best team in the tournament that you kind of felt like, I guess... Maybe NC State, you would have said, also a team that going into the tournament looked really, really good. But South Carolina, uh, luckily for them maybe, doesn't have to play NC State because UConn beats them. And then South Carolina kind of took apart a UConn team that kind of completed this, or it started and then Kansas last night completed the number one teams going into the 2020 tournament that ended up not being played because uh, it was canceled due to COVID, they win the championships this year, which was kind of a cool storyline. Yeah, and, and I think the theme of the weekend was the complete team mm-hmm. uh, kind of aspect with with South Carolina doing that. I mean, not that UConn doesn't have a lot of pieces, but th- they were Paige a Beckers was like yeah tends to, tends to be, and that mm-hmm. and, and that works for them all the time. So I'm not going to say bad approach there, but I I appreciate on the men's side, especially head to head UNC versus Duke UNC was the more complete team they they had they weren't deep but they just kind of had the role playing going on and people doing what they needed to do and and then when they did have to go to the bench they still had a guy step up with the with the Johnson guy in both games this weekend so like I appreciated team beating one and dunners and and it doesn't always happen and and one and dunners can work uh I mean Duke was within a couple points of being able to be in that game and, and you see what happens. Uh, but I, I like it. I, you know, if I, I would root more for the non one and dones than I would the one and done. So I, I'll take that. And on the women's side, it's a little different than that with the one and done situation, but South Carolina, you know, very much spreading the ball out, getting it to everybody. I, you know, for uh, Dawn Staley being a UVA grad, I really like her. I like her um, public persona. I like, it just seems real. And so I don't, it's not so much of a persona, but what we see from her in interviews, I really like her kind of similarly what I was saying with Hubert Davis. It's just, it's hard not to like that guy, the way he handles the interviews sitting down, but also on the fly um, beside the court. It's just, he's very likable and Don Staley as well. Um, you know, a lot of people were talking about the coat she was wearing the other night. Cause it, people were like, Oh, is she, you know, coaching for Michigan State, what is she doing? But it was like a Louis Vuitton coat and a high-dollar outfit. Obviously fashion that we don't often see on the sidelines because things are more relaxed now. 
but um, I, you know, I was just wanting to explain that point since I had heard the explanation for it. it makes sense, and I think Louis Vuitton's happy that their items are sitting out front and center. Sure, but, you know, I, I like her, I, I, and so when she has some kind of fashion choice on the sideline, I'm going to be quick to be cool with it because it's fine. It, it was weird; it wasn't team colors, but like, hey, I also just think though sometimes win and win and no one cares. Yeah. <laughs> I also think sometimes that's a little overdone. Like one, I'm not going to, I'm not a person here saying all coaches should be suits and ties on the men's side. And, or if you're, if you're a man and you know, sports code and dressing up, if you're a woman too, I'm not saying that if they want to wear the, you know, quarter zip or the team jacket or whatever, and tennis shoes, knock yourself out. Don't care. But I'm saying I don't mind when a coach dresses up. I think it's, I think I like it. I like the look. So I was kind of surprised we didn't see some coaches dressing up anyway. Because like we've seen in the NFL, we've seen where um, certain coaches have worn a more formal outfit on the sideline, kind of the anti-Belichick cut off sweatshirt stuff. To uh, was it Jack Del Rio used to have like used the to wear a suit, dates. but the NFL actually mandates that you cannot do that for the most part. I, he was limited. I think he could basketball. only do it half of his home games. Yeah. I'm surprised we haven't seen more in in, um, in the college basketball. Well, some of these coaches that like just want to do it anyway, and that's what they're used to doing. And I'm just surprised, like you know, uh, um, superstition might have not come in more in play this season, where some coaches just wanting to kind of have that same feeling that you know that business business feel. I'm I think they got used to. That. I think they got used to it after COVID. They didn't have yeah. to during COVID, and I think they got used to it, and I think that's now their new norm, and they feel more comfortable in it, and that's fine. Like I said, I'm not – If I'm an AD or something, if, I, if, it's, if, if I've hired this coach, I, I want them to at least, like, somewhat put together, you know. Well, like, but, I mean, they don't go out looking colors, like slobs. Uh, no one's wearing right a hoodie. Or the right pullover. Um, I don't know. Just certain guys I did notice this year looked a little less put together, and I would just expect a little more – professionalism in that role while you're representing the university. Um, but it wasn't, a, it wasn't often that I saw something that I had a problem with. So, yeah, I was going to say, you don't see them out there wearing hoodies or anything. So, um, it was, it was a couple different ones that just, and there might be different circumstances that made them look a little less put together, but that's fine. Like, let me move on with that. Uh, I enjoyed this March, uh, as much as I wish the Hokies played longer in it. Um, I was happy with that pinnacle of the ACC championship. Um, I enjoyed the tournament. There was a lot of good games. I know, I guess we didn't have that like ball in the air when they hit zero buzzer beater this year. I, I saw some Twitter talk about that last night. I, I mean, there was still a lot of great games and I, I don't know. I, I just, I don't need, that specific circumstance for me to think it's a great game. I mean, I, there's a lot of four point games that are absolutely great games. I think we watched one on Saturday. I think we watched one last night. So, you know, it's, um, you know, I, it just don't, that's not a mandatory thing for me to say it's a great game is to have it go either way when the clock strikes zero Um, because that's how games go. And there's a big shot. And that's what we saw Saturday with UNC's guy hitting that three point. I mean, that was a, (laughs) That was a ballsy shot there. I mean, like when he started to pull up, I was I started making an audible noise of, oh, like <laughs> that's that's a bad you're gonna let the Duke in the game. I mean, everything's running through my head that that's gonna give Duke the opportunity. Maybe because I had more money on Duke than I did at UNC. Um, but no, he nailed the shot and then you win it, and you sealed it. And that was just that was a huge shot. And and then he tried it again last night and didn't get it. And then uh 
you know, Kansas was the one that made the big buck at the two-pointer. Didn't think they had to go for the three, went for the two, went up by four, and that was perfect. Now, I know your investments needed uh, needed that needed kid to not step to out of bounds. Right yeah, that's fine. Um, the stepping out of bounds was crazy. I mean, I, I that got my biggest reaction of the weekend was when they stopped it, I was like, man, it, that was the quick looking foul for no one to be really right on him. Like I was kind of double looking at it and then you could hear the announcers kind of slow to it as well. And uh, then they stood the first replay and they, uh, they took one step out of bounds, two step out of bounds. No one ever touched him because the ball's already getting turned over. I was, that was crazy. I hadn't seen that big of a flub at the end of a high level college basketball game in a while. I mean, thought of Chris Weber. I was going to say, that's the first thing that pops in my head, too, is Chris Weber calling a timeout when he doesn't have one. Um, that's a long time ago. I mean, <laughs> that's 1990. And for this kid's sake, it worked out better than it did for Chris Weber. But, yeah, it was. Well, he plays for Kansas. He might be getting paid the same. So it, When it happened, I was just like, oh, my gosh. I was sitting there. I just texted, just make free throws. Like, that's all I need right now is just make free throws. And he steps out of bounds. I was like, oh. (laughs) Left the door open. Yep. And then UNC took the rest of the time to airball some threes. But I think uh, where I was going with my I enjoyed March, I I liked – when I started looking at who I had to root for last night because I really wasn't excited about making that decision, I ended up rooting ACC. That's kind of how I phrased it. I'm rooting ACC because – it, you know, for this conference that was so terrible this year, they had a good looking tournament. And then to have two teams in the final four after having three teams in the elite eight to have, obviously you're going to have a team in the national championship. You know, I just think it'd be better for that conference story. If the ACC team won it, even if I don't like them. Um, also, you know, Carolina wasn't built on one and doneers. And so that, that made me a little bit happier. Not that Kansas is completely built that way. They, they had, what, two guys that were freshmen with significant playing time? UNC really didn't have that. The only guy that was only there for a year was the, the Manic guy um, who was transferred in, and, mm-hmm. you know, those those happened. Um, but everybody else, you know, had been there a couple years. I, I honestly thought Baycott was younger than he was. So I, I kind of like that for, um, for that team to be there. Now they're going to lose a bunch of guys now. That, that's where I'm getting to on my point. Like, Carolina's going to be gutted here. Now they have plenty of good guys coming in, Tyler Nickel being one of them, but a lot of other good good guys. Watch the McDonald's All-American game the other day, and you get guys mentioned there. There you haven't dropped off on recruiting. Neither has Duke, so you can't count them out. I'm just hopeful the Hokies can bring as many guys as they can back, and if they can bring back as many guys as they can, that is incredible because it's like everybody but Storm. I, they already have one guy in the portal um, – it was the Bates guy or something that we didn't see much this year. Anyway, fine. But Aluma and Mutz potentially both could be back. I think it's wishing a lot to have them both back. But if it's possible, I want it to happen. So I'm hopeful we can go into the season next year kind of looking as like a top four ACC team and see what happens. Yeah. And the idea of winning an ACC championship is on the table now that we've done it. Um, and, you know, it'll be tough. It's the ACC. It's tough. But I, I'm optimistic about next year. Yeah, and I think um, the country would agree that it was an exciting tournament on both sides. I mean, both the men's and women's tournaments yeah, are going to be were higher rated, were higher rated this year than they have been in, in a few years. Yeah. And uh, women's, I think, may have been the highest all time. Men's, we're talking highest in a few years here at the 
at the worst. Um, because you had St. Beaners, you had all these blue bloods. St. Peter's, so that, yeah, that and mixture is what you need. You can't, well, you had you that. You had Coach K's retirement story, which got some people out there. I, for one, and going back to that for a moment, I that him losing to UNC in the fashion they lost, the arch rival beats him again, just like they beat him in Cameron Indoor. This one a little closer, but they end his season, end his career. That made it all worth it to me because I was sick and tired of hearing about it as soon as like the Sweet 16 started. I was like, I'm over this. Like, I get this is the Dude, I'm sure someone is and I were over it. Someone is telling February. them this is the story of the tournament, and they're not wrong, but I don't know. I guess it's my my belief, and I, I guess they don't know, like Duke could get upset at any point and then it's over. But I don't need to hear about it every single tournament game. If you want it to be the Duke story tournament, okay. Do it during the Duke stories. Do it during the Duke game. But when I'm watching two other teams, neither one playing Duke, if they win, I don't need to hear about the potential of Coach K's last game coming up like the next day. I don't need to hear about it. And this isn't just a college basketball thing. It's, it's a college football thing, too. You can't watch college football. And this is, again, I know we talked about this during the fall because ESPN's like, oh, my gosh, why does nobody care about the bowl games? Why are all these players opting out? It's because no matter what college football game you're watching at halftime, you're going to get college football playoff talk. They immediately go to the top four teams. They immediately go to the top four teams and start talking about it. And then you sit there and you're like, oh, my gosh, why does no one care? Well, that's why Duke getting to the Final Four was so important for the NCAA was because all they talked about the entire time was Duke. And so when you just talk about one thing and one thing only, yeah, that's going to matter. Because that's what people – you're telling people this is what matters. This is the storyline you should pay attention to. This is what you should care about. And so it's infuriating when I'm sitting there watching, you know, Miami versus Iowa State. And at halftime, they're like, oh, you know, Coach K's retirement's coming up. And, wow, I mean, here he is pulling in in his golf cart to the arena. Duke plays later in the night. And I'm like, I so don't care about this right now. And and so I will say the women's tournament was exciting, too. I mean, I touched on it. I know we talked about we were watching it last week when we were recording. But that NC State-UConn game was phenomenal. That was a phenomenal game. And I, I do have to, like, you, you mentioned how the high the ratings have been for the women. This is the first year since the uh, blow up from last year of things aren't equal between these men's and women's tournaments. The coverage isn't, you know, even attempted to be equal. The, what's supplied to the players isn't equal. There was a, I mean, palpable. They, they were going to make it even. Like they put the selection shows on back to back on Sunday night. Yep. Um. They everything was even. Everything's called branded the March Madness, which I, I didn't even notice it wasn't before. I don't know why it, why it wasn't. Now it is. It just it it's something that hey these ratings really went up once a lot of people, you know, accepted the idea of doing it equal, and um, that's a good thing. I think that's a great example. You know, everybody likes to try to tear down Title IX. Well, it has done great things to help women's sports. And there is the negatives that you can pinpoint out there. But overall, it's helped women's sports greatly without a a terribly big impact to men's sports. So, like, try it. Like, like if you are are one of these Neanderthals that are against, (laughs) you know, approaching it in an equal manner, 
then you, you got to realize it works. So like allow it. And that's only going to be- benefit future generations and make the sports better themselves. Like the women's game will get better and better. And if you don't feel like watching it now, don't be against other people pushing it up because it's only going to help it and it's going to make it better. Well, and for ESPN, and- the question before was always why. Why are you not putting this more? You've paid for the rights. Why are you not pumping it? Like, and so this year they did. I mean, there was simulcasts of the game. Yes, and, that were good. And that they were good. Yeah, they got yeah, some like, high-quality former women's players in there, and they were talking, and it was, it was well done. I, I actually thought the production was very well done. It was a lot like a Manning cast where, the, where they would have a guest in, and, and, you know, and cool guests and other top-level female athletes, you know, bring LeBron James through, bring other coaches. Like, it was it – was, good it wasn't like the simulcast we've seen in the past even on both sides like it was this it's it's where Peyton Manning's kind of shifted the direction of of these simulcasts um and it was awesome I I, I clicked over to it a couple times honestly in the future I might just sit there and watch it because I feel like I would say I, was I went back and forth between the, the regular the highlight would come when I wasn't so yeah I I was back and forth between the regular and the simulcast too because I just wanted to see what it was who was on yeah. there and how it was going? Chose the right and, people, and there, there was yes, they did. obvious bonds between p- people on there, but like it, it was good. And you know, I just, I, ESPN, if they're paying for the rights, should do the best they can to promote it. I thought this year they did a much better job of promoting it. Yeah. I thought they, they did, did a good job in execution of putting it on. The games were good for the most part. Uh, again, the national championship game, not as much, but sometimes the men's game is that way too. And, um, you had a heck yeah, of a yeah, Final Four game. No, yeah. yeah, you had a, or a, a heck of an Elite Eight game uh, with NC State and UConn. And, and that for the most part, there was an exciting tournament. There were more upsets this year than usual yeah. in the women's tournament, which helps. And I, I think that has been one of the biggest obstacles for the women's tournament has just been... And this year, I mean, I guess you could say UConn was in the championship. But you could always pencil in those favorites. Like... You just knew they were going to be there because the upsets weren't as prevalent in the on the women's side as the men's side. Not saying they never happened, but it was very it was more rare. And this year, that wasn't the case. I mean, Virginia Tech got bit by the upset bug. There were some other teams. Iowa was a team that I was looking forward to watching play deep into the women's tournament, and they got upset by the ten seed, Creighton. So, who actually went all the way to the Elite Eight? Um, but. It was an exciting tournament in that aspect, too. And I think, as you said, it's growing. It's only going to continue to grow. I think the U.S. women's soccer team has done great for women's sports as well, just winning the World Cup as often as they have. They have really helped promote that. And now you're running into, okay, what can we expect to see on a more consistent basis? And I think it is going to be more and more women's sports coverage. And I don't have a problem. I mean, look – if you have a problem with that, I think it's a you problem. I, I, that says more about you than in than society because and I think my Twitter it shows up my Twitter only because like other people on my Twitter are like arguing back against it, like yeah. coming from the same viewpoint as me. But I still end up seeing it, and I'm like, how, like, what is wrong with your life if you're out here like just against the promotion of women's sports? If you don't want to watch it, don't watch yeah, it. Yeah, no but one's like, saying you have to why watch are it. You saying, like, why do I got to sit here? Through? Like, you don't have to sit there through anything that you don't want to. Yep. Even the TV ads, you don't have to watch them. I just, I don't understand. I, I don't understand it. And then maybe I wouldn't, but, like, it's just a miserable life if, if you're sitting there complaining about the promotion of women's sports. Like, come on. 
Yeah. Yeah, I agree. If you don't want to watch it, don't watch it. Like, I don't want to watch the NBA all the time. I I just don't. So I don't. But I don't get on there and be like, why are we promoting the NBA? This sport's dumb. Oh, my gosh. Like, some people like the NBA. Most people do. That's fine. Good. I don't like watching golf. I don't get on there and say, let's stop promoting golf. (laughs) You talk about promoting golf. Get Tiger with the availability of Tiger Woods playing, and that it's promotion in its own. You don't even have to run commercials. You could just say Tiger might play and go to the next commercial. Like, woo! Yeah, but I. But my point being, like, if you don't, if you don't like it, just don't watch. I think that goes for a lot of things in society. If you don't like it, just don't watch. You don't have to. I think be mad at other people wanting to watch something. It goes to a point of something we didn't talk about last week, and we're not going to talk about now. But you know. Before you sit down on Twitter, maybe you have an idea. And I, I don't know anybody locally here that I would feel this about or anybody that's listening to this podcast. I don't I, I'm not talking to anybody here, but like we don't need your opinion. We don't need everybody's opinion on everything. And there's things that happen in, in pop culture and in sports that like your opinion and that you think so highly of just isn't needed. Like if you want to really supply something beneficial, come up with something beneficial, not just hate and well, I mean, in sports, sometimes hate's needed. Yeah, but tell me something that's like that—that that is at least relevant. Like, <laughs> I'm just gonna—I'll—I I don't want to dig in because we had to edit an episode a couple weeks ago. Uh, but like, just sometimes provide provide something that even has any kind of sense to it. Don't provide nonsense. Oh, yeah. No, I know who you're talking it. about. Yeah, I know who you're talking so. about, and and I agree with him and what you're saying because. He's a clown, but um, even when it agreed with what you were wanting last night, I sent you a tweet or two, and I'm like, "Yeah," and I was like, "I, I don't." It makes me feel bad that I'm also rooting for the same thing he is. Yeah, um, which made me want to go cancel it and reverse it. But um, yeah, I just, yeah, I mean, sometimes people need to dunk on Buster only. Yeah, sometimes even people need to dunk on Buster only though, because he's an idiot, and so people need to dunk on him. Like, and but that's you have okay. Reasons and backup and things he said himself to put back in front of him. It's not just made up crap that like you. If I just say it loud enough, it'll be the truth. Yeah, like we, But sometimes we Orioles fans, you know, we need less of that. Sometimes you need to remind Chris Davis that he's not doing well, and maybe he should retire. And then he does, and we're still going to pay him a bunch of money. But it's whatever. Yeah, I agree. All right, so. March, March is over. We moved to April. And so we're full into the spring sports seasons and baseball, um, kind of similar as it was last week, except for, except for Wilson. Wilson had a bad week there. They lost to some teams that they had already beat once this season. Uh, Monticello TA, and and it looks like their pitching had fallen off this, uh, this past week with giving up a lot of runs. So, not what Wilson wanted to have right on the doorstep of this district season that I think this district in baseball is going to be crazy this year. I think up and down about everybody's can beat about everybody. And I think we saw that last spring when we saw at the end of the season, Stanton, who was having a tough time beating teams down the stretch. It just wouldn't surprise me if we had that again this year with seeing Stanton with a rough start here. I, I just don't think that's going to, you know, carry purely all the way through the season. But I do think that Riverheads, Wilson, Fort are kind of the first three I say, and then looking at draft and gap, what they can do there. I just, I am excited about what's going to happen in this baseball season. I think we're going to 
see a lot of results where it, it surprises us. So, uh, you know, my homerism doesn't want a lot of surprises, but I think it's going to happen. I think there's going to be uh, a lot of different teams able to do a lot of different things, and then those teams are going to do well um, because they'll be so battle-tested when they get to the postseason. So I'm, I'm excited about this baseball season. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be a good baseball season, and Wilson Memorial, as you said, having the tough go around the second time playing some opponents is going to be something to keep an eye on. Sure. Because in the Shenandoah district, you're going to play everybody twice. So right. to see the teams have more success off that pitching the second time through, a team like Buffalo Gap, I think, has to be really happy to see that because that's an offense that loves hitting. And yeah. maybe if you struggle that first time versus Wilson Memorial, you've seen their best then, and maybe you'll be able to to hit them like these other teams did the second time against Wilson. So I I do think Buffalo Gap's going to be in that top three. Um, I, I, yeah, good. Ford yeah, is, Ford is the team that right now is really struggling that I would be worried or I'm sorry. They're too, they haven't been able to get a lot yeah, of they games. haven't, they haven't been able to play. I'm sorry. I was looking at their record for Stewart's draft drop down. Stewart's draft is the team I'm worried about right now at two yeah. and four. I, it just seems like they're off to too slow of a start. And I, while I'm with you on, if you start slow, it's not the end all be all. And you might be able to get up there. I do think that might cost you a chance to win the district though, because I think this is going to be a very, tough district at the top with Riverheads, with Wilson, with Gap. I think those three teams are going to set the pace. And if Draft gets into district play and can't start racking up some wins early on a consistent basis, that's not going to be good. I, I 500 is like the bare minimum to hope to be in this thing. I'd say six, six games into the district schedule. I think yeah, 500 I, is where you need to be bare minimum. Yeah, they have a little bit of ground to make up because not only, yeah, they want to win a district title, but also positioning when you get mm-hmm. to, for them, Class 2B, these early losses are going to hurt them there. So they, they kind of need to be a little bit upper in the district to kind of be sitting where they want to going into the postseason there. So they do have a little bit of ground to make up. I think the other teams have, you know, they have to be brought down. You know, they they all, if they win from here, they're going to be in good shape. Fort Defiance with only one loss, Gap with only two Riverheads doesn't have any yet. So, you know, I, that's that's kind of the story there. But, yeah, I think it's going to be interesting. And whether draft does what they need to do to be sitting where you want them to in six or seven games, they're going to be dangerous throughout the year. They have a lot of talent, and they're going to be one of those teams that even if they're not fighting for the district title, they're, they're going to be a team that can pick some people off. Just like I was saying at the bottom of the district here, 0-4 State and they didn't play last week. Hopefully that reset them here uh, going into district play. But, um, you know, that's a team that we saw last year beat teams that you didn't expect. So I, I think that's what we're about to see in this district season. So I'm excited about well, that. And I mean, you were talking about 2B, but I think the same for 3C. Like, Wilson Memorial having a bad week is not good for that. That's that's no, a very yeah. tough region in everything, but especially baseball. And so much momentum in baseball. I mean, and it travels game to game, and you get that mood around the team. And, um, and especially in a district that you're going to lose some games. I, I don't think anybody's going through this district undefeated. Correct. I, I'll say that right now. As much of a homer as I am, I'm not going to make that kind of statement. You know, to go into this season playing Riverheads to open the district season on Tuesday night, um, as people are probably getting this podcast or getting a hold of it, this game is either happening or just happened. You know, that's that's a tough way. You're going to play the undefeated team in the area that has state championship experience. 
Um, and, and you got to wake up right now. So that's the biggest game this week in my book. Wilson involved with the second biggest game on Friday when they'll host uh, when they'll go to Stewart's draft. They host Riverheads on Tuesday and then go to Stewart's draft on Friday. So Wilson's kind of that team to watch this week, see what they can do coming off those three losses, playing other solid teams. So that's what I'm looking for this week. And um, kind of like we did, uh, I'm going to try to pick out games and it might not just always be baseball, but try to give give our local listeners some games to focus on this week. This week it's baseball and Wilson's kind of that team. Watch them Tuesday, watch them Friday, uh, see what those scores are. And that that'll start telling the story this season. Yeah. I think, I think for that, not necessarily if they lose, they're out of it, but if they win, that tells me Stewart Straff's going to be a team that hangs around probably for the most part oh. this year. If they lose, then kind of like I was saying, you're on, you're on your heels and you need to figure it out quick. Yep. Uh, going to softball, Staying on the diamond, but going to softball. Ford Defiance starts off 4-0. I, I don't think that's a surprise for you or me. We kind of figured they would be oh. up there. Drafted 4-1 and one looks really good, too, though. And I think that if there's a challenger to Ford in softball this year, it looks like it might come out of Stewart's draft. And they had that approach this week. They didn't have any games this week. Um, and I, I think they might have had one schedule that got delayed. But other than that, they, they had this off week, this spring break. And, and this is the opposite of what I was saying a minute ago from Stanton baseball. You know, here they are riding high and have a little bit of a break. And uh, I think that's a good thing. I think in these spring sports, when you get a couple days in a row, because games will start piling up because of weather. You get those spring rains, and it, they'll start piling up. When you can get a couple days off in a row, I think it's a good thing. Reset your arms, reset everything else. So uh, I, I think it's a good outlook for draft softball, which is a, a team, you know, with Robbie Tillman there that we haven't, in past years said a whole lot about it. it's a lot of Fort Defiance. Um, we've seen Buffalo Gap and Riverheads do a lot of things. Um, Buffalo Gap and two B they'll be down in one B this year. So I'm excited to see what, what Stewart's draft can kind of ride here. Um, starting off so hot playing good teams too. not, not just playing, um, you know, teams that you wouldn't expect to see in the postseason. They, they're playing teams, tough teams. And that that's good. Broadway Valley district teams. Good, good teams. Yeah. So that's good for them, and I, I, it's going to have to be something we keep our eye on because I think as the season unfolds, yeah, Fort Defiance might separate themselves. But right now, Stuart yeah, Straff is in a position it, it to surprise me. Yeah, yeah Stuart Straff's in a position to maybe be that team that steps up and threatens them. Looking at soccer, Wilson off to a bit of a slow start at one, two, and one. Um, I, I was kind of surprised to see that. You look at Stanton; they're two, one, and one. That's not surprising. Fort Defiance being up there, I know they're off to a good start. I just don't think that's going to last. I, I think we're really talking about Wilson Stanton. It's going to come to those head-to-heads and who wins those. But right now, for Wilson to be off to that slow start that they are on, you lean Stanton, advantage Stanton, but, man, what a rivalry that has become. And I, I think this year is just going to continue to drive that. Yeah, I mean, Fort has a history of good soccer, but – it would be kind of a pop-up if if uh, they were able to ride, continue riding that this year. Um, but, you know, looking at this week at any big games, it, it the biggest game I see, honestly, is the Fort Defiance TA non-district game. Um, but in district, um, it, there's not a whole – we don't get any of these big rivalry games. I, I wrote it out somewhere, and I can't find my note. Um, we're, we're all just waiting on that Wilson-Fort game, and uh, it doesn't come up until later in April. So uh, that's going to be the one to watch out for there. Yeah, April 26th um, before Fort Defiant. Or that's Fort Wilson. Yeah, when's Stanton play Wilson? 
Yeah, that's what I was looking for, and I got I started talking over myself. Um, yeah, and and it is the uh, <laughs> the Stanton Wilson game. Why am I only seeing? Oh, it's the twenty second. I, I even took a second there to look at it right. It's the twenty second until those two teams play. It will be Wilson at home the first two time the first time they play. So that's that's the biggest one that everybody has circled on the calendar is those two teams. They've been battling for a couple of years. Um, but hey, a team like Fort Defiance is going to want to be the spoiler. A team like Riverheads that isn't so far removed from top level success at the soccer there. They'll want to be a spoiler. They're not going to win the district, but they want to be a spoiler. So it'll be fun to see if those other teams can play a part in this or if it really is just going to be Fort and Will, or uh, excuse me, Stanton and Wilson up there at the top again, which we predict it will, but it'll be fun to see if anybody else can poke in there. Yeah, uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. I, I think that's, that's going to be the interesting thing on the boys' side. When you look at the girls' soccer, you know <laughs> – the, the thing that leaps out to you here is, again, you look at Fort Defiance, they're off to a hot start 3-0. and Waynesboro is 4-1, and and I think that's the team I want to see if they can ride that. It, Waynesboro is a team that has struggled kind of in athletics for the most part this entire season um, and, and just not done kind of what you had hoped they would accomplish outside of maybe football. But I think even football dropped a game or two where you were like, man, we were kind of hoping they'd be a little bit more. Um, so for, for the girls soccer team at Waynesboro to start off four and one, yeah, I hope they can ride that, um, Fort Defiance at three and O and Riverheads at two and O is going to be interesting to see what they can do. And then you have Wilson at one, one and one. We don't really know what to make of them. Can they start to build the same success there that the boys are seeing on the pitch? Um, we'll just have to let this play out. It's way too early on the girls soccer side though to pick favorites, in my opinion. I think the boys' side, we kind of know it's Wilson Stanton. On the girls' side this year, seeing Waynesboro jump up there kind of makes you hit the pause button and be like, whoa, what's going on here? So um, I, I think the girls' soccer side, if you're looking for an interesting district title race that's more than just two teams, I think girls' soccer is where you're looking this year. Yeah. Yeah, I think girls' soccer, I, I'm throwing baseball in there too. But yeah, I, I, it'll be... It'll be plenty there. All right. Uh, we haven't talked much about tennis this year. We're not talking about it this week either. Now that they're getting district season, we're going to kind of have better comparables. Um, so we'll try to get a little bit more on that in the weeks to come. But sticking with these spring sports we we're just talking about, college softball, I'm going to talk about it every week. Virginia Tech had another great weekend. They went down to UCF. I believe they won two out of the three. They no-hit number 10 UCF. They're in the top five now. Virginia Tech is, and it's setting up a huge matchup with Florida State, who's also a top five team. I say top five because I'm not sure which poll <laughs> is the main poll that holds uh, college softball. But Florida State, Virginia Tech, both top five in just about every poll you see. Uh, we got the Richard girl for Virginia Tech that I'm sure will get at least one game to start against Florida State, probably two. And, the, and that'll be really something to watch. It's an early enough in the season kind of measuring stick to see, you know, what kind of expectations we have for these Hokies that are, you know, we have three losses on the season and and looking really good as we uh, as we go into ACC play. And I'm really hoping that they can make one of those magical runs. We saw it last year with JMU. I'm hoping it's it's my alma mater. In my house, we, we, we have the JMU stuff and the Tech stuff. I'm hoping it's Tech's turn in softball this year to make that run. 
and, and play in the College World Series. So um, I'm I'm watching, paying attention every day to what's going on there. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see uh, how Virginia Tech does. I, you know, in a perfect world. I think JMU gets thrown in that mix to see what they can do. Obviously, they lost a lot last year. They had a great run last year. I, it just doesn't feel like they're going to be back. Uh, it felt like their non-conference was a little too rocky to maybe get that at large bid. We'll see yeah, with, yeah. with conference play. I mean, if they keep doing what they've done at the start, maybe they still get that at large bid because maybe the committee looks at what they did to the entire conference and says, okay, obviously – that team is the best team in that conference. The approach that was surrounding the men's basketball at one point this year on social media that, Hey, maybe they'll play so great in this district or in this conference that they'll get an at large bid. I think it's softball is legit. If they, yeah, it's more realistic in softball. Now, now they might have to go undefeated for that to happen. And so that's going to be the question. Yeah. It's going to be tough uh, because that means you can't take a day off. It means you've got to be ready to go every single day. Um, but that being said, I think if there is a team at JMU that could, we we've talked about it. If there was a team at JMU that could earn the at large bid, we felt like softball was the best chance. So we'll see if they can do it. Um, but going back to Virginia tech, they are for real. And and that's the exciting part. I think the state of Virginia is going to get to see another good softball run. And this time it's going to be from Virginia tech. That, that's the hope, and it looks it looks like that's why I'm as excited as I am about this Florida State series. Is that I expect to feel good after it too. So, well, let's let's talk MLB and do our MLB season preview here. Uh, let's it. let's start with the AL East. Uh, everybody's on the Blue Jays. I don't get it. They lost. and I I get that the Rays just traded Austin Meadows last night, and. That was a trade to me that I was kind of like, okay. Um, And I guess Buster only just forgot to complain about it um, on his Twitter with them shedding payroll. But in the A's, I guess he forgot about them too, Um, which we'll talk about then when we get to the AOS. But the Blue Jays are now the the favorite. And as much as I hate to say it, I just think this is going to be the Yankees winning the division this year. It just seems to me like that's going to be the better team. And I think the Blue Jays are probably going to be, I think they're probably going to end up third. I Because I do think Boston maybe, or Tampa Bay, is going to out edge them for second. The, the Blue Jays, and I will say this, the top four in the AL East are very interesting this year. Because I could I technically, all of them yeah, I could games. see, I could yeah. see all of them finishing in any order. I just don't think it's going to be the Blue Jays. I need to see the Blue Jays do it before I can pick the Blue Jays to do it. I just haven't seen it. They were nine games apart last year, but they all were ninety plus wins. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Blue Jays didn't make the playoffs with ninety-one wins. That you know happens in baseball, but you know that's that's tough. I don't see how the Blue Jays are that much better for me to say they're going to win that that division but also i don't know who i feel strong enough to just say they're going to win that division i don't feel that strong about the rays i think they have as good a shot as the other three in that top four that we're talking about okay the orioles aren't going to win it but so i think anybody else in that division can win it just like you said so you picked the rays no i picked picked the the yankees oh you picked the yankees i misunderstood 
I'll pick the Red Sox just to be different than you. No matter what you said there, I was going to pick different than you. I'll pick Red Sox just to be different. Okay. Yeah. I, I just think it's all – they're going to beat up on each other, but they're still going to beat up on other teams. So. And I just – like, I, I don't know. There's a lot of people that are like, oh, adding Kevin Gosman will be good for the Blue Jays. And I'm like, I saw Kevin Gosman. That's not going to be good for the Blue Jays. I feel like they lost – I mean, they lost more than they gained, I thought. That's, I don't Kevin Gosman – there's going to be some people realizing who Kevin Gosman is. And it's not a guy that consistently goes out and pitches well. <laughs> That's what you want. All right, go to the Central. In the AL Central, this is the White Sox division. I know the Tigers yeah. have made some additions here recently, but including Austin Meadows, but this is the White Sox division. I think they're going to run away with this thing, and I think it's going to be a huge gap between them and everybody else. I don't think yeah, there's another do- playoff team in this division. Yeah, the White Sox won it by 13 games last year, and I don't see who added anything to make up <laughs> those 13 games. I don't predict the White Sox necessarily win by 13 games again, but it's going to be something in that range. I think it's going to be approaching 10. And uh, the Tigers is the team I wanted to bring up as my hope to bang into that. I also think the Royals are a bit better. I think the Royals might be a 500 team this year, but that's not going to be good enough to get them in the playoffs because they're going to get beat up by the AL East when they play them, and the White Sox are going to dominate the division. So I agree with you. White Sox are going to win the division. I'm not going to be rooting for them. I, I've decided – I decided to down the stretch last year. I'm just not rooting for La Russa. I'm not – so I'm not rooting for them. This I year. like their players, though. So I'll, I'll be okay with the White Sox. I don't like La Russa, but I like their players. Um, in the AL West, it does seem like everyone has just kind of gotten out of the way of the Houston Astros again. Um, and that's because – and to me, I think this is a more egregious thing. Buster only disagrees, uh, mainly because he has a vendetta against the Orioles, who I guess gave him a bad hotel room when he was a beat writer, and he's held it against them forever. I don't know what they did to him. but um, Or maybe Earl Weaver gave him a swirly. I don't know. But the A's were a good baseball team last year. They got rid of everything that wasn't nailed down that cost money. Right. To me, that is purposely not being competitive for the sake of being cheap. I think that's your problem. The Orioles are being cheap because we're not going to compete. We just listed four teams that are better than us in every way. We're not going to compete. So why should we go out and spend a boatload of cash my now, would Orioles I like to like, see the Orioles spend a little more than they are? Yes. Would I like to see us fill some holes? Yes. But, I mean, it's out there that the Orioles made an offer at Carlos Correa and didn't land him. So, okay. I, ca- I can't be mad. My thing about the Orioles is that at some point, and it's not yet, but, like, I think two years from now, you have to see some effort. I think to, next year you need to see to some effort. Because I think, I, I, I think okay, you're going to see like those people back. called up this year. At some yeah. point, we got to see this young talent that you you made way for that you have room for. You, then you got to pay them and keep them there and and be ahead of them on some contracts. Not wait for them. You, you gotta you gotta be there. So that's what the Astros did. So you're yeah. not doing that plan if you don't do that. So like, yeah, maybe this is the last year I'm gonna sit here on this podcast and 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 let what you just said. Hey, those four teams are better than us. Why should we just throw money at it to not be better? Okay. That's this year, and then next year it's got to be a, a little bit different of a mindset, and then headed, headed, keep headed up after that. So I'll hear you there. Back to the AL West, I, I'm very interested in this division. 
I see reasons of what you just said for the Astros are going to be good. I think the Mariners are going to be a bit better. That was a 90-win team last year, and they made some moves to be a better team. So you're getting if you're trying to be better than a 90-win team, you're winning a bunch of games. You're approaching 100. So I'm interested in what they can do. And also the Angels, it's just that's that team that I haven't understood, haven't won more. They have the best player in baseball with Trout. They have plenty of other pieces. They have pitching. They, they always add these guys that you think they would be better. I'm just wondering if this is a year that this is the year that they get better. I think that option is there, but I assume you're taking the Astros from what you've already said. I'm taking the Mariners just because of nostalgia of rooting for them in the nineties. I, and I don't want to root for the Astros. I'm rooting for the Mariners. I do think the Mariners will end their playoff drought this year. Nice. Um, Validity for something I said. I do think. (laughs) (laughs) I do think. um, In part because they're expanding the playoff. But. (laughs) Take it any way I can get. If I can can take, maybe you're right. I'll take it any way I can get it. Yeah. I I also think it's because the Central's so bad. So uh, I think that's going to help them. I'm looking at divisions that also help them too. Yeah. And, and looking the just for the, sure. for the off season moves, I'm looking at another uh, projection of the season and I, they have the Mariners losing 90 games this year. I don't see how that's going to happen. I don't know. I, uh, I don't Their know. main additions are, are prospects coming up and that's true. Jerry Kalenic is going to have to be better. They, they add, they did add Jesse Winkler and Eugenio Suarez from Cincinnati which was interesting. Um, the Reds are that another one team. never produced last year, and, and he's, he's got to this year. I, yeah, I, Kalenic has coming. got to be better this year. He was not good last year. He's got to be better this year for the Mariners. Uh, but I think they do have a chance to make the postseason in that postseason drought this year. The A's, again, they're terrible. They traded everything that was good in their organization. It's gone. It's all gone to different places, and they're terrible. But Buster only doesn't think just because they haven't lost 100 games it means they're trying to me when you take when you take something that's good and get rid of it because it costs money to be cheap I think that's a bigger problem in baseball and he's saying well the players during the next CBA need to do something about this and I'm like the next CBA we just had one they chose not to do it and Buster only also knows what the solution is, but he's too scared and doesn't want the actual solution, which is a salary cap and a salary floor. I agree. There should be a salary floor in baseball. But the minute you do that, you have to put a salary cap in. So his heroes, the New York Yankees and the Boston Red Sox and the L.A. Dodgers, can't spend way more than these other teams that can't afford to spend that much. The Orioles can't spend $200 million in a year. They'll go bankrupt. It's not possible. They're not the Dodgers. They can't do it. So baseball, if they want to change this, has to do that. They have to put the salary floor, but they also have to put a salary cap. And the second they do that, Buster only will start complaining about, oh, this isn't fair. Why can't the Yankees spend more money if they have it? (laughs) I just can't wait for the day he no longer rates baseball. Was that your friend Ryan or was that Buster only? That's Buster only. I can't wait for the day Buster (laughs) only is no longer involved with baseball. That guy has zero credibility. And is a total jerk. 
the funny thing is I don't disagree with anything you say about the Orioles approach and stuff. I just, I'm ready for it to change. I'm, I'm tired of being the same. I'm ready for it to change too. I'm an Orioles fan. I don't like losing a hundred games a year, but I also don't like Buster only. And people like Buster only acting like this is the first team to ever enter a rebuild. Heck, he wanted the Phillies and the, he wanted the Phillies to enter a rebuild. Let's go over to the NL where they have the DH now and no one knows what to do with it. Um, the Braves won that NLE last year, mm-hmm. and then they went on to win the World Series. Yep. They got the Phillies, who should be solid, and they were around 500 last year. The Mets made, made moves to improve. Um, I don't think the Marlins or Nationals really made any moves to improve. Who do you got winning down there? I have the Braves. I think the Braves will win that division again. I think the Phillies will finish second in that division. I don't think uh, it's going to be the Mets. I'm pulling for the Mets, and – that's for Dan. And I'm, it's not like I'm a person that ever pulls for the Mets for any other reason, but I, I want Dan to have that, that positive. Um, I like Scherzer. So I kind of want to see him in some big games, uh, at least down the stretch of the season, if not in the playoffs. So, um, but I, but the Braves who I've went in that division, uh, hopefully they can stay healthy this year and, and be a contender for, for, to, to repeat. That'd be amazing. I think last year, they kind of swooped in and took it, and that was great. And despite the injuries, did that. I, I would like them to kind of go through the season as a upper dog, not top dog, but upper dog, and um, and then go in there and really contend for that that championship. And I, you know, I don't like that they lost Freeman, but you know, they still got a lot of great pieces, and and they did. They did bring in Matt Olson, who's good. That. Yeah, I mean, he was so, one of the guys that the A's shipped out because he cost money. So. Uh, they have solid pitching, so I think when they get to October, they're going to have a chance, and so yeah, I, I want that. I, I think the Braves are going to win that division. For the yeah. Mets, I think there's something with the Mets. I know they added Max Scherzer. I, Max Scherzer might not pitch this year. His arm might fall off before opening day because the Mets have something over there that curses them. <laughs> well, hopefully not. But I mean, that is, I, as I said, that's more of a rooting interest there for them. I can't. Look, that's cool that Dan's a Mets fan, whatever. Root for whoever you want. I will never root for a team from New York. Yeah. Never. He roots for him because he grew up in Virginia Beach and they had the Tide down there. And that's that fine. And I get that. I get, I get yeah. that. Like, I'm not saying he's a, a bandwagon Mets fan because they don't exist. But They don't exist, yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying they are from New York and I can't. I can't yeah. for any reason root for a team from New York. I just can't do it. I just hate. I don't really like the Phillies because they're from Philadelphia. But at <laughs> least like John will get some enjoyment so out of it. External negative surrounding that team and all that. I just I hate that that that's had such an impact for on the field stuff. So yeah. Uh, all right. Central is it? Is it my Pirates here? No. Or is that one of the teams we've been talking? No, about that's another time? team that Buster only doesn't. Yeah think exists because they haven't lost a hundred games. So they don't catch his ire. Now, if the Pittsburgh Pirates played in the AL East, they'd lose a hundred games every single year. If they played in the AL East last year in this, in the NL central. So there are 34 games back and that division sucked last year. So for them to lose a hundred games last year is damning. The Orioles losing a hundred games. Not surprising. You mentioned four of those teams had 90 wins. Yeah. No wonder the Orioles lost a hundred times. They got to play those teams more than everybody else. The Pittsburgh Pirates get to play the Reds. It wasn't the worst division last year, but it wasn't great. Uh, they did have two 90-win teams. They had, the top three were all over 500 
There's a lot of divisions that don't say that, or not a lot of divisions, but there's other divisions that don't have that. But they were bad. They were worse than the Cubs last year, and the Cubs were terrible. <laughs> they're 10 games worse than the Cubs. So, yeah, and they're not going to. They're going to be last place. And I, I think the Cardinals take that division. I like what the Reds have added. I never want the Brewers to be the best team. So I'll just concede that the Cardinals probably are, uh, even though I don't like them either. But they're, they're – I mean, I saw some great stat on them about – how much they've won over the years and like amount of losing seasons being so minimal. And it's incredible. I mean, they, I think they get swept under the rug a little bit, but it explains the good fan base they have and the consistency that, that they've shown is a reason for it. So um, I'll put the Cardinals winning that division. I like the Brewers to win this division. Um, and I like it because they're pitching. I, their pitching is dynamite. Yeah. And I think that's going to be the difference. I think that's why they win the division. I do think Christian Yelich will have a better year this year than he did last year. He kind of had a slump out of nowhere. I I think he'll bounce back and be more of what we're used to seeing from him. And because of that, I like the Brewers to win the division again uh, and beat the Cardinals. All right, out west. Last year, we had predicted the Dodgers and Padres coming right down to it. Well, the Padres dropped out of that. They, they did have some big games and some big series with the Dodgers, but the Giants was the team that ended up winning that division and, um, and, and, and beating out the Dodgers. Now, the Dodgers continually add. Um, it wasn't that long ago that I made reasons why rooting for the Dodgers wasn't a bad thing. All those reasons are gone. They are on the Yankee approach, and they're doing it in L.A. out west. Um, so I'm not rooting for the Dodgers, even though they got a couple pieces that I didn't hate before they got there. It's, you know, that Dodger blues turning into pinstripes for me. Um, so I'm sticking with the Giants out there. Now, I know the Giants have had a pattern of good, bad, good, bad. You know, even years, they're, they're good, and odd years, they're bad. And I guess I got messed up last year. But by that pattern, they should be bad this year. But I'm going to stick with the Giants of who I want to win that division. But very clearly saying the Dodgers are going to – gonna I'll be rooting for the Dodgers, the, the – the Dodgers are going to win it. The Dodgers are going to win the NL. If the Dodgers don't win the World Series, I'll be surprised. So that's my rooting interest. The Giants. The Giants are not going to win this division. That's my rooting interest. That's fine. We didn't think they'd win it last year. They did. Yeah. They were outmanned last year. They did. So my rooting interest is there. I, Dodgers is about to be my pick to win the World Series when we talk it all out. But I'm rooting for the Giants. That's fine. You can root for them. They're not. What I'm telling you is, they're not going to be there. They're. They are. I don't even know if they're a playoff team. I think they're going to come crashing to reality. They had some players overachieve last year. I don't think that's going to happen again. I just don't. And they're again. They're bringing in another former Oriole, and Alex Cobb is like the guy who's supposed to bring in some help to this rotation. Saw him. It's not him. That's that's not going to work out. So, like, this is a team that is going to be good, but I think they're just going to be middling around. Maybe they make the playoffs, and I would say, you know, push comes to shove, I think they'll be a playoff team. But that's only if the Padres don't beat them out. I think the Padres will be better. I think the they Padres... Yeah, the Padres will probably end up staying healthier this year, which will help them. And I think that has them over the Giants. I do like the Dodgers to win this division. 
and a runaway. I think the Padres will be second, and I think the Giants will be third and maybe miss out on that playoff spot. Yeah. I feel burned from the Padres last year, so I'm not quick to pick them. Also, as much as I've rooted for Tatis and stuff, I just what I've heard this offseason hasn't impressed me. So um, I'm just I'm slow on the Padres this year, and maybe that'll bite me. The bottom of this division is terrible, so I think I think the third place, even this division, will have a good shot at that playoff spot because of the bottom of this division being so terrible. Because um, I don't think the Rockies. They've added people, but I don't think they're going to be any better. And the Diamondbacks are, are, are another one of these teams that we're talking about that are Buster only forgets about. So, mm-hmm. so who do you have winning it all and playing who? I have the White Sox winning the American League. <sighs> the National League gets tough. Um The Dodgers, I think, are the best team. But do I think the Dodgers in a playoff series where sometimes baseball's weird and sometimes the best team doesn't necessarily win? I'm going to take the Brewers out of the National League. I'm going to take them because of their pitching. And I think they're going to find a way to win the National League this season, play the White Sox, and I have the White Sox winning the World Series in six games over the Brewers. And the least watched World Series of all time. <laughs> MLB ain't rooting for that. Rob, Rob Ramfred will cheat it out of you from that happening. <laughs> well, the MLB umpires are going to be mic'd up this year on reviews, so that'll be interesting. So they'll have to, they'll have to have come to out and say, them. yeah, I can't wait to hear some of the explanations <laughs> we'll get on some of that stuff. My, my rooting interest um, is with the Braves and the NL and uh, the Mariners are my top AL rooting interest this year. But what I think is going to happen, I I probably was preparing to to pick different. Um, but hearing you what you picked there, I'm going to just go ahead and I think the best team will win out of the NL is the Dodgers. And um, so that's my if I had to put money on it. And um, I want to be more creative than that. Um. The AL is the harder one for me because just that AL East is such a glob. Yeah. I don't want to say Dodgers over Red Sox because that just seems easy. I, I don't want to have said the White Sox. So this is where my rooting interest will get in my way. I, I'll just, I guess I'll stick Dodgers, Red Sox, boring pick. Uh, Dodgers over Red Sox. In I six. think it's. I think it's very possible for whoever wins that division to not necessarily be the team that comes out the furthest in the playoffs. I mean, that's going to be a tight division. And with the White Sox playing a bad division, the Astros playing a bad division for the most part, those are probably the teams with your buys. And so if all four of those AL East teams beat out the Mariners, who I think is the other team that can make the playoffs, if all four of those teams beat out each other, you could have an AL East divisional round or wild card round. Yeah, knock the other one out. And, And two of them are going to knock each other out in a three-game series. Yeah, I don't know. I said Red Sox losing to the Dodgers, so we'll see what we get. Yeah, I mean, we will. It'll... The Braves Mariners, that's what I'm rooting for. Well. Other than my Pirates that have no hope. <laughs> like your Orioles. Yeah. Our, our team that we won or root for, we just hope they're not as bad as it's very likely they'll be. So, like, what's your over-under number? Like, 
to be happy about what the Orioles did this year, what's your number? Vegas said it at sixty-two and a half, which is crushing. That's I want to bet the over, but I just I look at that division and I'm like, man, they're a lot better than we are, and uh, we just didn't do what I wanted us to do this offseason. I wanted Carlos Correa. We we made him an offer. He didn't take it and went to the Twins. That's fine. Um, the Twins are going to be my poster child this year of the anti-Buster Olney. Buster Olney wants us to do what the Twins are doing. The, the Twins are spending a lot of money to be a middle-of-the-road team. Yep. So when the Twins finish about 500 or thereabout and don't make the playoffs... Is that good for baseball? No, it's not. Well, it's not good for your franchise. So, and that's honestly, that's that team's chief responsibility. It isn't what's good for the sport. If the Orioles being cheap for another year means we get to pick some more prospects, bring them in, build up, have more money in our draft slot, more money in our international slot, we can build up another year of young prospects. And then next year, we spend some money, fill some holes, build up, finish polishing out the rotation. And maybe this year, I mean, the, Elias did say, our young pitchers, there was a group of three of them that have just been kind of eh. They show flashes, but it's not been consistent. He said this year, they need to be better. And so to me, that is him saying, we're using this year as your last trial. And if you don't cut it, you're out. And we'll bring people in who can. And so, like... For me, I get a little bit excited hearing that because I'm like, okay, well, at least I'm not being fed what I was fed when Dan Duquette was here, which is like, oh, we're so deep in pitching. Like, we've got so much depth. And I'm like, I mean, a shallow pool has depth. It's only a foot, but okay. Like, you don't want to dive in. And if we dive into this rotation, you're going to break your neck and drown. So what number makes you say, all right, good, at the end of the year? I think if we lose less than 100 games, I'll be happy. So that's 62. 63. Yeah. All right. My win number that'll make me happy is 70, and that's way too high. That's so way I'm too not, high. You're going to be so upset. Yeah. If they win 70 games, I'll be happy. If they're You've got like games, one happy. player on that team who's good, and I'm sure he won't be there at the end of the year. Oh, the probably the best. Reynolds, I want to say his it, name is. Reynolds, and they, yeah. yeah, they're trying to ship him to San Diego. They have <laughs> uh, little, uh, man, I... It, I, I'm just not placing his name at the moment, but he's one of the top prospects. O'Neal, Cruz. Yeah, but what I'm saying is right now you have one guy who you know is going to be good. Right. And they're trying to ship him away. Yeah. They said they're, they're playing the game with time served, even still, with this with the top prospect. They I, sent him down after tearing up the spring. Like, he was hitting homers and on base all the time. And just they, they set him down. He needs more more time. So they'll bring him up, like, mid-May, and then they'll get another service here after him. And it's just, it's ridiculous. They might keep him down longer just so he doesn't get in the top two of the uh, Rookie of the Year because he's good. He's really is good. And and he was playing against ones, and he was playing well. So I – And I again, know. I think uh, along those lines for the Orioles, honestly, what's going to make me happy when Adley Rushman's on the team? Yeah. Uh, he's hurt right now, so okay. They had to shut him down in the spring. Okay. But when he's back – Maybe give him a week or two to warm back up, but then he needs to be on that MLB team. Those catchers are not better than he that he is, and if they are, we have a problem because that means our number one overall prospect is probably not going to be very good. 
I want to see some of the pitching guys up. I want to see some of these other infielders up. I want to see the young guys. And I want to see them this year. I want to see the number one farm system called up this year. Those top of the line guys. That's what I want to see. I want to start the service time. And I want to see next year be the year we pump some money into this franchise to fill in the holes that we need to fill in for now. Part of that's going to be rotation. I know we've got some guys in the rotation that we're excited about. Chances are not all of them are going to pan out. So you're going to have to spend some money there. And if that means sending Keegan Aiken to the moon, it means sending Keegan Aiken to the moon and filling the spot. Jordan Lyles was a one-year deal. That is a very much stopgap. If Jordan Lyles is going to be on our World Series team and he's anything higher than the fourth best pitcher on our team, I'm going to be freaking out because that means we're not a World Series team. Um, Just looking at MLB's predictions and stuff, we were dancing around all the similar teams. There's backup for me in places and backup for you in places. So we're not, we're not too crazy. So that'd be interesting. All right. I guess uh, let's talk D block stuff so we can get out of here. Um, what's dominating my life is what will dominate my life. And I'll probably talk about this again next week. And you're not gonna have much to say. It's the golf. I, mm. I watch the masters, whether tiger's playing or not. So tiger's possibility of playing doesn't change my at least somewhat interest. If he plays, I will definitely, you know, design my schedule Thursday and Friday differently than if he wasn't. I, I'm, I'm honest about it. I, I appreciate watching greatness. Um, as much as we talk about Jordan being better than LeBron, I still throughout LeBron's career have made sure I watch him because I know he is one of the greats. And um, so this, that's it with Tiger Woods. He isn't the greatest anymore. I understand that. But we also saw just a couple of years ago him win the Masters when no one expected him to. Do I expect him to win the Masters? No. no. He's playing on the weekend. I think that's a huge, huge win. Uh, golf will love it. If <laughs> They love that the possibility of him playing. They love if every you know time he gets it in there under par, they're going to be cheering. So I, I am interested in the Masters this weekend like I would be always, but I will say, I will admit that it's increased because of Tiger Woods, just like most of America. The ratings for this Masters is going to be massive, um, if he plays, uh, Thursday's probably gonna be massive either way. Cause it's gonna be people tuning in to see if he's playing or not and how well he's doing. So, um, it's amazing. I, I mean, it, he had that huge wreck a year ago and he's missing part of part of his leg and stuff. Um, I, it's just amazing that he's even able to compete at a level that he thinks is acceptable for him to go out there. And, um, and that's what gives me hope for him playing on the weekends is that if he's playing at a level that he accepts, knowing his standard and all that. So I, I'm excited about the Masters this weekend. It will dominate my life this weekend. If the miracle of him possibly contending on Sunday, I will not leave my house on Sunday. So, wow. hey, Mom, you want me to come over for dinner on Sunday? You're rooting against Tiger Woods because <laughs> I will not leave this TV screen if, uh, if he's in contention. I don't expect him to be. I, I'm really not sitting here saying that. Okay, um, well, who do you think's going to win? That Cantley guy. I think he's due. That's who my my bet went on. How do you feel week. about Dustin Johnson? John Rom. John Rom's also good. Dustin Johnson. I threw golf. I bet like four different things, low dollar, and see what happens because the odds are pretty decent. Because he got a big. Oh, and, I was looking so, at the odds. That didn't help me. <laughs> it was like plus seventeen hundred, plus twelve hundred. I was like, what the heck? Yeah. 
you can make, I mean, it's easy to make $5 worth of bets. And if any one of them win, you're going to make good, good little money there. Uh, Cantley's who I, I would put my most money on, even though I put even money on everybody. Dustin Johnson's another guy I threw a dollar on and uh, Rom, and he's the number one. Mm -hmm. Uh, Those three guys are the legitimate guys that I put money on. And uh, so, but Cantley's the kind of the guy I'm saying out loud. Okay. I think it's an interesting, interesting decision. Yeah. Um, you're right. I probably won't be super plugged in. I got invited to be in a master's fantasy league, so I probably will do that. Yeah. Um, and that will make me a little more interested in the masters. I'm not going to be glued to it. It'll probably be more of a, I've also, I'm also going to be working this weekend. So that will take away from my interest and watchability. I have to pick by Thursday. Um, so yes, you will be consulted. Um, there is another person I'm consulting as well, but I will use your powers. I like combined. DJ the way he plays. Um, DJ is my investment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he he's not a bad investment. I bet him in the past, and he's contended in those ones that he's passed. I never bet the top five. Always bet winners, and if I just would bet top five, I would win at least my money back on those things because I usually don't pick crazy people. Um, but yeah, he's a good pick. Um, Rom, there's just isn't as much money there, but for a fantasy situation, well, and again, the the only reason I'm making an investment in in the masters is it was like, if they finish in the top 10, you get your money back. And I was like, (laughs) Oh, nice. Which, which service was that through? I think that was FanDuel. Um, DraftKings has a promotion too. I got to look at it. It's like, I think it's add plus 300 to whoever you bet. And I was like, when I saw that, that's when I knew the odds were going to be crazy because i was like if they're adding plus 300 that means they have no idea who's gonna win this thing um well it's not tiger versus the world anymore i mean yeah i mean that's that helps that's what we grew up watching and expecting and it's just that's not the way golf's built i mean you talk about old golfer you talk about old baseball and those guys not staying in a chance against i mean i think it's so competitive now um i think tiger and and then phil getting i mean five Tiger got everybody else up, and then yeah. everybody else got it to where like where it's infused with young good talent, and everybody's like, "Well, why can't McElroy win?" You know, the Grand Slam and all that because it's I think the field is just that much harder. I, I I'm not saying the bad guy, the old guys are terrible, and I think uh, in spots there's some great comparisons with the game, but they're driving further, they're shortening the game, they've had to expand the golf courses because of the amount of talent long talent coming into the sport. So like, that's where I think it gets a little bit separated. Um, it's still fun to watch the video with Jack Nicholas. You know, the guy says, you can't make this, you know, this pot's impossible. Where's And he's like, I'll show you how to do it. And he gets up there, puts it in. Like they still got those moments. They're still amazingly good at golf, but I just, I think the competitiveness across the board is just different than what even, even what we grew up with. Not that long ago. Just yeah. Tiger was coming because he, he raised that bar and kept it up there. And then that's, that's what all these young guys grew up watching um, and only knowing. So I, I, I think it's, it's tougher to just go into a weekend and say, and you know, who's against the field like tiger used to be. It's, it's, it's a crapshoot. Sure. Well, what is dominating right. my life was the FIFA world cup draw that we said, we don't know when that is. It was, it was right then. It was right then. <laughs> yeah, it was Friday. We don't even know all the teams yet, but we know where they'll be. Um, Costa Rica and New Zealand will play in a playoff. And then you have 
uh, Austria, the United Arab Emirates, and Peru. One of those three teams will win a playoff. And then Ukraine, Scotland, Wales, one of those teams will win a playoff. The Ukraine, Scotland, Wales playoff is interesting because that team's going to be in the same group as the United States. I will say this, whether it's Ukraine, whether it's Scotland, whether it's Wales, I'm not concerned. That's who I wanted out of that pot for. That was the team that I was like, okay, that's going to be smooth sailing. Um, Didn't love drawing England. It's not the worst thing in the world. It's not Brazil. It's not France. So that's good news. England is really good, though. And I do think England wins Group B that the United States is in. The United States needs to not stumble against Iran. That was a tough draw. There's a lot, there's a lot of outside stuff going on in that match that's going to make that a big match, just from the political standpoint. Iran is also one of the best teams in the Asian region. So... That's going to be, that's why that's a tough draw for the U.S. That was honestly a team I saw in pot B, or pot uh, three, excuse me, that I was like, mm, damn it. Would have loved to have had almost anybody else. Um, that being said, it's still a winnable match for the United States, and it's one they need to win. And so I think they open up with the Ukraine, Scotland, Wales uh, first. So win that. Then you play England on Black Friday. Monday, yeah. Monday is that game against the fill in the blank. Mm-hmm. Friday is the game against England, 2 o'clock. All these kicks are Black Friday, yep. Black That's Friday, That's huge. That's it. That's the one. You cannot get embarrassed. If they get a point out of that, if they win the opening match, you have to win that one. If you don't win that one, you're behind the eight ball the rest of the way. But if you win that one and you can get a point against England, I think they're fine. I think they're through. If you lose to England, then you got to beat Iran. And you probably need to do that anyway just to feel good about where you are. That's a match you probably need to win. Again, my concern here, though, I don't know if they're they're led by the right guy. I, I don't... This is going to be a big test for Burholter. If he can go out there and win, okay. Hey, if he wins that group, hey, I was wrong. Hand up. I was wrong. But... They haven't been consistent enough. They have lost team. They have lost to teams in CONCACAF that they have no business losing to. Canada should not be winning that region. I'm sorry. It just should not happen. Canada's not that good. We are better than them. But we don't play to our best ability all the time. And at a certain point, you got to look at who's running the ship. So that's where we are right now with the United States. Looking at the other groups in Group hold A. On, hold on. So, so with that schedule, I just want to make another point because that's all the only point mm-hmm. I'm going to have about any of this. The viewing schedule that I was so worried about for this World Cup and competing with football for the U.S. audience, it worked out. You have a game on Monday afternoon at 2 on a week that most people, Mm -hmm. not most people, but a lot of people potentially have off work, so they might just be sitting at home anyway on 2 o'clock. So that's great. Then to not be Saturday or Sunday that weekend, to be Friday at 2, and obviously the the time difference is going to make it during the day. That's an advantage because you're not going to go that night up against, you know, decent Friday night, Black Friday college football games. You're going to be in the middle afternoon against okay uh, college football games. So I think they really lucked out with the viewing windows that the U.S. was able to get dumped into. And then the next game is, uh, what, Tuesday the next week, I think. Mm -hmm. So they stayed off of 
NFL days. They stayed off of college football dominant days. I think it's good for the U.S. viewing audience. It's good for the sport of soccer in America, how this worked out. So I'm, I'm happy about that, and I'm excited about it. I, I will watch all at least two of those games. I will watch. I, maybe I might not be off that Monday, but I'll make myself available at 2 o'clock on Monday. But Friday, I'll be sitting there watching it, and then as soon as it gets done, we'll go call probably a high school playoff game. But it'll, it'll be awesome. Yeah. Group A has the host, Qatar. Um, they're not getting out of that group. I, to me, that's going to be Senegal and the Netherlands coming out of that group. Ecuador has the role to play spoiler, maybe, and maybe find their way in there. But it, to me, Senegal and Netherlands are the two best teams. I do think England comes out of Group B at the top. I think the United States will come out of that group as well. In Group C, you have Argentina, who is going to come out. And then the question is, is it Mexico or Poland? I like Mexico to come out of that group second. But that being said, they could win that group. Argentina, they have Messi, who is maybe the best player in the world. But that team finds ways to lose matches. They have no business losing. And so I would not be stunned if Mexico ends up top of the group there. Group D has last year's World Cup winners, France. I think they're going to come out of it. I, uh, I guess I take Denmark second. But France has a really easy group. They're not going to have a problem getting out of that group. Denmark may be the second best team, but that's going to be a real crapshoot between them and Tunisia. We had a foreign exchange student from Denmark when I was like in first grade, so I always have a soft spot for Denmark. So hopefully they can get out of that group. That'd be nice. Mm, okay. There are two potential group of deaths here. My group of death, I think, is group E. Yeah. Spain, Germany, Japan, yikes. That's going to be tough. Japan is a really good team. That's I said Iran was one of the best teams in that region. Japan is going to make a shout for the other team that can. And they're, I mean, their women's side is they're very is strong. really Japan. strong. Yeah. Japan is good. Um, we'll get to Group H. That's the other one that is also really tough. Um, Costa Rica and New Zealand, you win that playoff, you're in the World Cup. That's great for your nation, but you are going to be a doormat for the other three teams who are Costa Rica. They did, they did something good last World Cup. They did. They They found a way to get in to the next round and it was amazing for them, but they're not going to get out of this one. Spain is, I like Spain to win the group. Germany's got a rebound. Germany is a strong football nation. They have got to find a way to win. I like them second, just because of the pressure that is going to be on them. If they don't, so I think Japan is going to be close, but not make it. Belgium will make it. Croatia is going to knock out Canada and Morocco in Group F. Group G, you're looking at Brazil definitely getting through. And then the question becomes, is it going to be Cameroon or is it going to be one of these two other European nations? I like Cameroon to come out of there because I think Cameroon is a really strong side that can find a way to win some matches. And they're going to it's really going to come down to if they can score a goal on Switzerland. Switzerland's going to play a lot of nil-nil games. Switzerland's going to be a boring team to watch. They sit back in their shell and play defense and wait for you to make a mistake before they launch any kind of attack. So you're going to be watching a lot of nil-nil, except when they play Brazil, because Brazil's just too good for that. And then when they play Cameroon, that's going to be the other question. I like Cameroon to come out of that group. Group H, the other team, or the other group that's really tough, Uruguay is good. South Korea is good. Ghana is good. Portugal is great. Portugal will come out of that group. 
I like Uruguay to be the second team they out of that have, group. What's his face playing? Ronaldo, yes. Um, I like Uruguay to be the other team out of that group and kind of a bit of a surprise. I think they're going to be able to knock out Ghana and South Korea. When it comes to winners, again, Argentina, Brazil, those are the two favorites. Belgium and France are up there. Who's Brazil's top guy? That's a good question. They've got a lot of talent. In the yeah, past, I, I mean, Neymar is probably their best player. Um, Brazil's problem in the past was goalie. They, they never had great yeah, keepers. Yeah. Yeah. That's not the case now. They are a complete team. Allison, who plays at Liverpool, is one of the best keepers in the world. And he is on Brazil. So Brazil, a team that is really good, has improved their back line. They still have good attack in Neymar. Um, but... <clears throat> so, Brazil is a favorite. I'm not going to pick Brazil just to not pick the, the odds-on favorite. The team that I think, if it's not going to be Brazil, it's not going to be Argentina. Argentina is not winning this World Cup. Argentina is what you bet if you want to throw money away. That I'm I, Look, it's Leo Messi's maybe last World Cup. There's all the Coach K storyline there with that, and he's one of the greatest players to ever play the game. Last World Cup, potentially. Can he do it? Oh, my gosh, he's so talented. No, is the answer. The other team I like, and this is not great for us, is England. I think England is a really, really good squad. They got close in the last World Cup. I think if they can be playing and gelling at the right time in the World Cup, they are a team that can threaten Brazil and potentially win that thing. Um, can we get a can we get a France back to backer here? It's tough to win world back to back World Cups. It's not impossible. France is really good. Mbappe is phenomenal. Um, but just because it's really, really hard to win back-to-back World Cups, that's why I don't throw them in there. Do they have the talent? Yes. But odds are a lot of these teams are really talented, and it just takes one, one bounce of the ball to knock, to knock a team out, especially when you get to the knockout stage. You can get to penalties, and then that's, a, you know, you're flipping a coin. That's why I'm not picking France to repeat. Um, so... Again, Brazil or England, <sighs> my investment's on England, so they won't win. So that does probably mean Brazil will win the World Cup this year. <laughs> I'll lean France just to be different than you. And plus, I think USA will, will get in England's head there and have that. U.S. desperately certain. needs to get into the knockout round. Desperately. Yeah. Yeah. Leading into this next World Cup, it'll be important. So, hey, this is when I show up for soccer. This this is my, and and as we went through that conversation. I knew some stuff, so <laughs> I'm still, you know, like I, I I know like the best player from some of the top teams, and even then, I, their name slips my mind. But like I pay attention to this, so this is this is my soccer talk. You'll get it out of me here. All right. Well, <laughs> the Disney movie for me this week is Aladdin. Um, I don't know if you had time yeah. to revisit it this week or not. No, I, I forgot about rewatching it, but hey, I might rewatch it now, uh, this week. Now that you said it, well, that does us a lot of good. But um, no, I can speak to Aladdin. That's that was that came out in my prime. Yeah, I can speak. To and you know, this is going to come out, and you're going to laugh, um, which is fine. But being as I have like 
HBO Max has kind of reintroduced some childhood nostalgia as well, just because of what they have on their platform. The old animated Batman series was one I loved as a kid and is a great yep. that that is that goes we down as maybe it. one of the best cartoons ever. No, um, it was so good. It didn't hit me until I rewatched Aladdin. The person who voices Catwoman on that is the voice of Jasmine. Like when she was talking, I was like, that's Catwoman. You looked it up too? I didn't look it up, but I just I can hear it. It's gonna be the same one. Okay, so I was wrong. Um, and we looked it up <laughs> after you said that. I was just hoping. That he, the animated voices the are tough to sometimes. They sound the same I, to me. <laughs> even people I know, like, oh, this person's in it. And, like, sometimes it'll, it'll take me a second. Because, like, you know, sometimes they kind of play up their voice a little bit, too. So I, I respect that you thought they were the same, and that's good. Um, and plus, made in similar eras. So you would believe the voice talent. Um, you know, it was getting used across the board there. But the the biggest voice talent in that movie is Robin Williams. And I think this is where we talked about this movie before. Um, was I, I maybe we I, I don't know, we've talked about it before with Robin Williams. I mean, just that movie, that character, Disney Disney said, We got Robin Williams, let's put him in the perfect thing, and that was it. It was the genie in that and all the references he makes, um, just the the energy that Robin Williams brings, the manic going from place to place and it just works so well with that character um i just i loved this movie when i was a kid i absolutely did it came out at the right time for me to like it i love the music in it the songs i knew who robin williams was and thought he was great um you know the the guy from full house he's he's uh <laughs> the, the prince and stuff so like there was a lot of connections with other stuff we were watching so, yeah, that, I, I like Aladdin a lot. Uh, you know, that was one of mine, you know, where, like, you start comparing Lion King with the cartoon and the live action, and it's like, how can you ever beat that cartoon? It, you know, was came out in such a staple. That was Aladdin for me. I was like, you can throw Will Smith at it all you want. It's just not going to be that original, original Aladdin for me. And it wasn't. And so it's just so good. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's the reason I'll probably try to rewatch it this week is just because we talked about it and I'll want to. And, it, and it's I, – I think it's good from start to finish. Um, you know, sometimes I feel like you get dove in too deep into a problem and it's hard to get out in some – in movies in general, but especially some of the animated ones. And, um, like, I think Brave kind of got there. Like, they got a little tough to get out of. I, you know, I think Aladdin does a good job at, 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 you know, going from A to Z in an appropriate manner. And uh, Jafar is an evil dude. I think that's where we talked about Aladdin a lot is like Jafar is cutthroat and, um, and by the end, he's such a presence to overtake that um, it's tough and, and, but they get it done and that's what you want to see in a Disney movie, right? Uh, sometimes. Yeah. Um, in a Disney animated movie. Yes. That's what, you, that's what you're here for. For the kids. You, you want, you want, look, sometimes kids got to learn some stuff. Um, yeah. We made the mistake of having West side story on, in the background of our, what our kids were doing. And they picked up enough of, Hey daddy, why does West side story not have a happy ending? I'm like, well, sorry for your innocence there, kid. I'm <laughs> sometimes life doesn't have a happy ending. It's like this dude's laying on the street dead. I don't, we'll, we'll get, <laughs> I want to detour here before I get back on the main road here with Aladdin. <laughs> Speaking of, you know, they're like, Oh, people are talking about, you know, Disney's traumatizing their kids because of whatever. Well, I watched, 
the Lion King and this traumatized me and blah, blah, when Mufasa's dead. And I was like, if that traumatized you, you are very sheltered. And they're saying, like, to this day, it's still they still, you know, are traumatized by Mufasa's death in the Lion King. You have lived a very sheltered life if that still traumatizes you, is all I can say. Like, to those people, and maybe some of it is just like, oh, I'm just trying to be funny on Twitter. Okay. Yep. I, I, I hope I that's what it is. the stories ever told include death of parents. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> and like. I'm not sure what books we're going to go back to for this. Uh, the Bible has some of that in it, and even I just you know, like to me problematic deaths, but to me that's even Shakespeare. Yeah, I mean, that is a Shake Lanking is Shakespeare. I mean, that's what mm-hmm. it is, and yeah. I think I don't have a problem with Disney doing that. Like I think, and that's my problem with some of the stuff Disney does today. Is like I said with Olaf, like Olaf melts, and then oh, just we bring Olaf back because we can't kill a toy. Like, why? Why did we bring him back? Like, okay, it's summer. He melted. He dies. People die. I don't have a problem with that. Tangled. One of my biggest problems was the guy gets the the guy dies, and now her tears are magic. Pass. You broke the rule. The rule was the hair couldn't get cut because the hair was magic. Well, when the, the hair gets cut, began at Tangled, and he's like, "This is how I die," and he's talking. You should have maybe picked up on the fact that sometimes you have people from the beyond in Disney talking and narrating stuff. I'm okay with that. It's okay if he dies. I watched Mufasa die. I'm okay. That's not, yeah, that's not in the top five of my list of problems. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm really not arguing with your general point. Uh, yeah, I think there's been a lot of discussion of what Disney is doing to kids that's irrational to, uh, I would agree. I would, I, I, would think I don't think Disney is messing parents, up kids I think in general. It's more significant than what people seem to be worried about right now. Yes, but um, I'll just say that as a broad statement. Um, but yeah, that's full. It, it pops up continually in Disney movies, and it's okay I, that parent, it does. I think it hits me different. <laughs> it's okay that it does. Um, but going back to Aladdin, again, I've touched on this every single week, especially with these musicals. The songs play a huge role in my final opinion. And because of that, Aladdin is going to bump the princess and the frog because I loved every single song in this princess and the frog. I like the songs too, but this, I just, it was song after song. And part of it's nostalgia, probably just coming back. And I was like, yes, awesome. I loved this song. Um, you ain't never had a friend like me. Fantastic song. I think still the number one song for me though, is a whole new world. It's hard to beat that. Um, and I guess I didn't, I knew this as a kid, and I just didn't pay as much attention. But there's a lot of throwbacks in that movie to other Disney movies. I mean, yeah. Sebastian pops up. Yeah. They fly to China, which I, Mulan hadn't been made yet. But watching it, I was like, there's some Mulan stuff here. The palace looks an awful lot like the palace that they put in Mulan. Hercules hadn't been out yet. A lot of that looks like Hercules, Greece. Uh, but, uh, at the beginning, the Sultan is playing chess with little chess characters, and one of them is the Beast from Beauty and the Beast. Oh, I didn't notice that. I'll have to go back. Yeah. <laughs> but the Aladdin, Aladdin, or uh, the genie, he like, I mean, he has a lot of modern. I mean, he has a golf bag on his back at one point. Right. He's, like a, he's going to Disney World kind of thing. Like, yeah, he's it's so good. It's funny. Um, the genie, Robin Williams is great in it. The genie's funny. I, I the actors are good. Is there some problematic stuff in it for 2022? Yeah, yeah. you get the message at the beginning to yeah. remind you of it. Um, 
I, it doesn't take away from my overall enjoyment of the movie. I very much enjoyed the movie. I, I love the songs in it. I think it's a great movie. Uh, yeah, we had the soundtrack. So I used to listen to that. I mean, I put it on. And... Yeah. So again, like, you ain't never had a friend like me, A Whole New World, uh, Prince Ali, just hit after hit after hit in that movie. And so Aladdin is the new number one on the Disney countdown, which bumps Woo! Princess and the Frog to two. Encanto is now three. Tangled falls to four. Ray and the Last Dragon, five for my top five. Yeah, I got Tangled bumped up a couple spots there. Um, is it better than Aladdin? No, not better than Aladdin. But it's bumped up a couple. I, I don't like Princess of the Frog as much as you do. Oh, that's interesting. New Orleans doesn't do it for me. That's what I realized. Like um, watching, <laughs> During the final uh, four. <laughs> watching the final four is it's like i just keep talking about how much of a crap hole that place was i went there pre pre katrina too so i don't feel like hesitant of saying it like it was a crap hole when i went there and i have no desire to go back to that city unless virginia tech is playing in a huge game down there i have no desire to go there without a football game with virginia i've tech heard involved. i've like, never been i have heard from not just you that you have to be very careful of where you are in new orleans um i think that's the place for a lot of places no one I can tell on this podcast. I have some hilarious stories that aren't really that terrible, yeah. but I just won't say them openly on the podcast. I don't want to have it recorded for the public to misunderstand. But, I mean, you can see anything on that on that stretch of street. And, the, yeah, the different neighborhoods bump right up to each other. And it's an interesting time. It At 10 a.m., after they've washed everything, it still smells like urine. It's <laughs> just that well, city smells like urine and it's just, uh, it's just disgusting. I don't, I don't know. I like what I got home. I wanted to throw my shoes away. Like, oof. well, okay. I, and I, I didn't have to smell the urine through the TV, I, I guess, when it. I was watching princess and the frog. So it didn't take away from my enjoyment of it. Um, I just don't, I guess the general new Orleans spirit is not something I like grasp onto. I don't like, you know, medieval times very much. I don't like, Really? Um, Medieval times is okay. Yeah, I, I, there's just different things I'm just not into, and like the general New Orleans culture is just not one that I grab hold of. Wait, are we talking medieval stories or just medieval work. times like the restaurant slash entertainment experience or whatever you want to call it? I, I'm not exactly sure what you're referencing now, so I think the time period, you know. The oh, the you, you don't know what medieval thing. times is? Like the dinner and a is show medieval like, times? I assume that's like a Dixie Stampede, but you know oh yeah kind of it's in the same but it's it's <laughs> i think there's one in maryland i went to one in south no, carolina I, i'm saying like the time the general time period that that movies and entertainment get set in like oh see i like it i think it's there's a lot of interesting stories you can tell and, there. And, like what is it like pride and prejudice whatever time period you call oh it, wow i'm not into that and that causes a riff in some of our viewing here in the mccray house um, I think that's Victorian age. I wouldn't call that medieval. Bridgerton, Bridgerton season two is going to go. Yeah, that's on Victorian me. age. That's not medieval. I'm that's not into Victorian that age. Okay, so I'm with you on the Victorian age stuff more. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I don't know. That's where I'm at. That's fine. I mean, you're allowed to have opinions. Um, Sometimes I'm not sure. <laughs> so to recap, Aladdin number one though, and uh, highly recommend it. I'm fine with Aladdin being number one out of the list that you just said. I have no. No interest. I know Encanto is playing number one in our house right now, um, but that's fine. Do you still talk about Bruno or? 
I try to talk to him about as much as possible so uh, that I get in trouble and we can't watch it anymore or something. And since we can't, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love if we didn't talk about Bruno. Uh, um, that Oscar, though, we, we didn't talk about the Oscars at all last week. Is this what you're – but thing is the Bruno be. song oh. that was, and you and me and you talked about it, it was super, super disappointing. Uh, disappointing. Yes. Like they sang like the opening and stayed true to the song and then went left turn and then a, another left turn and it just wasn't the same song. And so like we didn't even show it back to the kids because it, it's like it wasn't worth their time. That's my biggest takeaway from the Oscars, just to be official there. Yeah. That's my strongest opinion coming out of the Oscars. Uh, what I know that you need to know, I'm going to do this quick, quickly because we've had a long podcast as it is. Um, the USFL is going to get started. I have very minimal excitement about this. I looked into it of like, okay, they've told me there's a Pittsburgh team. They've told me who the coaches are. They've showed me Legos. Here's some players are getting assigned. All right, like let, let me grab hold. Let me just look at Pittsburgh first because that's, you know, I like the Pirates. I like the Steelers. Like this is just natural. I wonder which, you know, are they playing in Heinz Field? That would make sense, but I know, you know, they're not expected as much. No, they're not playing any of these games in the cities that are related to these team names. You have eight different teams, all of them with different cities. One of them are the Birmingham team, but all of the games are happening in Birmingham, Alabama. The entire league season is happening physically in Birmingham, Alabama. I, I just am not... I don't know, then turn it into some kind of tournament thing, not a season and all that. I don't know. I just don't like it. I don't, I think that's like how, how are anybody in these different cities supposed to have a connection with this team when they can't even easily go to their games and they have to travel to Alabama to see them. So I, I just, I think that's the first misstep of what I assume will be many. We've seen what three other leagues in the last five years come out and fail grant did the XFL had bad luck of coming out in the spring of 2020. So I, that's why I give it the best hope for when it comes back again to succeed. But I don't think this is going to succeed. I just don't, I don't see it having what it needs more so than just um, all the teams playing in one place and not getting a connection with, with both the home city. I think it's just not set. It's not going to, it's not going to make it. So I like that they have coaches I recognize. I, I appreciate that, but that's about the only positive I really have to say about it. So I'm I'm not excited about it. I don't assume we'll be talking about it much on the podcast, maybe the first week or two when it's new and fresh. But I, I just I just I'm not here for the excitement for it. Well, that's my opinion. Sure. I'm not saying other people can't be. I, we, all, uh, we had that point earlier in the podcast. I'm not saying other people can't be. I just I it didn't grab a hold of me. It's this league is aiming at someone like me someone who likes football, someone who's into sports, you, they want me to like this. They haven't got a hold of me. I would I, I don't think you're wrong. Uh, to me the the only reason that leaps out to me to play all your games in one location is to cut down on travel. Sure. There's not a pandemic or the pandemic is not as much of a concern as it was. If it was a middle of years pandemic, ago. I'd I'd buy that as an excuse. Yeah. It's not. Now the reason that jumps out to me to do that is cost. And if you're already doing that now, that screams to me you're not financially stable. And so that that's a concern for me. I'm not going to get invested in something I don't think is going to be around. Like, I just don't uh, – I don't think it's going to make it. So 
I'm with you. I think the XFL would have been fine if it hadn't been for COVID. I think they'd still be around and we wouldn't have this USFL. I don't think we're going to have the USFL in two years uh, because one, the XFL will be back by then. The NFL is apparently making some investments in the XFL return, which I think is going to help them. I think it's going to be important for any other league. I, I think you need to have that. I think it's important for the NFL. I think the NFL, it would behoove them to put some money into this. Number one argument against college sports right now is the players don't make enough. I want to see the XFL be able to draft people out of high school. That way, people who want to go to college, do your thing. Go to college. Play football. Do whatever why you want there. Um, you got the NIL money now. That's great. Um, if you want to get paid more than the NIL money and you want to get paid and you don't want to deal with the school and you just want to play football, go to this developmental league, the XFL or whatever. Go play in that. Make your money. After two years, the NFL can draft them out of the XFL or college, whatever they want to do. It's one draft. I think I like this point. It's one draft. That's how you do it. Still, like the NFL still have their three years removed from high school, and that's fine. Yep. I, I think I like this point. I, I will chew on it more, but initially I think I like what you're saying. I like that the NFL with the XFL have already stated some, like, rule situations that they're going to try out. You know, they want to see how it works in the XFL. I like that idea. I like I like the connection um, and not NFL Europe. You know, I like it. You know, being here, being out of season, right? And yep. so I, I'm, I'm interested to see how it goes. I, I think that would be good. I think that's the best solution for everybody. Because there's some people who, who play college football or college basketball or whatever and, and don't, aren't really interested in the college part of it. They just want to play the sport so they can get out and go make money professionally. And that's fine. That's what they want to do. That's fine. Have and that's that. what you can do in the NBA. You can go to the D League mm-hmm. now. G League. Yeah, G League, D League, whatever. Yeah. Uh, sorry. Yeah. Um, Gatorade League. Yeah, or you can go play in Europe or whatever. Football, that's not really an option. That's It's not. So I, I, I think making the XFL that option would be good. I, I appreciate the saving yourself that, like, 18-year-old bodies aren't ready to be in the NFL. But, mm-hmm. like, if you're going to have all the top-level NFL guys over here already, like, it seems like there's some room I to could work say, with it. Yeah, if and there's a kid that wants to go out of high school and just play in the XFL, I think he's probably good enough to do that. I don't think the guys in the XFL are going to be that much better than – your top high school person, if that's what they want to do. Correct. Because I, I, I still think, I still think generally the top college players are still going to be in, I mean, the TV contracts and everything are, are, are better in college. And I think you can get more famous from being good initially, at least uh, you're, you're not going to have a lot of guys just jump into the XFL. You're going to have some, you're going to have the Maurice Clarets, but you're not going to have, you know, the Arch Mannings. They're still going to go play at an SEC school and get very famous that way and win a championship that means more than an XFL championship. So, yeah, I, I, I think I'm fine with this idea. And I think if you're not physical ready, like maybe they'll sit on you a year and, and develop you. Like, I think that's possible. So, but, but again, I mean, my thing is, you know, for the ones that, for the ones that want it and just want to get paid and just want to do football, focus nothing on nothing but football, I think that's there for them. And I, I want that to be there for them. I hope the XFL does that. I hope you can draft people out of high school for the XFL draft or whatever and, and put them on those teams and have them do that. And then the NFL, I will say, it will help the NFL in terms of, you say, and I don't think initially you're going to be wrong at all, in terms of the best players will still go to college. I will say for scouts, it's going to be easier for the NFL to scout. You're watching XFL, you're like, okay, I, I've only got eight teams or whatever. 
I can watch that. This kid has a lot of raw talent. He's now done it in the XFL versus other adults for three years. Let's give him a shot. We're going to draft him in the NFL. I think that's interesting. Like if, if the XFL could hang on for like a good cycle, like a four year cycle kind of thing to see what it, becomes then because then i can see the numbers maybe i think that bit. helps the xfl too and i think it would really help the xfl in terms of talent right because one of the biggest knocks was some of these guys aren't very good and i think if yeah. you get some of those top high school athletes leaving high school just going to that because they don't want to go to college and that's fine like hey, i said what about, college isn't for everybody what about, these, what about these guys that go to college don't win the starting job and instead of transferring they, they just go, go to the, the xfl, XFL. Yeah. yeah, and that's fine because they're probably better than some of the guys. Value. Yeah, I don't need to see, you know, Christian Hackenberg. That guy couldn't cut it in the NFL. He can't cut it in the XFL. I'm surprised he's not in the USFL. Um, that guy's just not good. That guy's just not good. And so, honestly, when I looked at the USFL and looked at quarterbacks, I think there was one name I recognized, and I was like, uh-oh. Like, that's another concern I have for the USFL is just name recognition on some of these that, guys that was my tongue-in-cheek though with the coaches like at least i recognize the coaches because that's the only name i recognize so. yeah so i don't know but yeah. i that's what my, i hope the xfl will be when it comes back so just to review my point there on what you need to know we are excited about a non-nfl football league that isn't starting now because usfl yes. is starting we're not excited about it so if you want to hear about other things we're not excited about <laughs> make sure you're subscribed and follow which most of the time we say, at least I stay a little more positive than that and talk about good things that we like. And uh, so make sure you're subscribed and follow in at Yak Sports Pod on Twitter and Facebook or email us, yaksportspod at gmail.com. Subscribe on the, all the usual places to get your podcasts like Apple, Spotify, um, Google, and then all, and we're hosted on Podbean. So stick with us. We'll be back next week with more spring sports talk. I know I'll talk golf next week and Joe will live through it. Um, he'll probably just have additional F1 talk to, to spite me there. And uh, we'll be back next week to talk about all of it.